0: Cool, yeah. So my name is Dylan Mendes. I'm yeah. a two way student majoring in accounting and finance and minoring in environmental studies at the University of Waterloo. I'm also the co-founder of an initiative called Pick Waste. And I'll just get like hop into like how it started in the background of why we built this initiative. And essentially it started in my grade 12 year, so about two years ago. And I always found myself following the status quo in high school, of always like doing what everyone else was doing. Uh, just sort of like committing to social norms. And in grade 12, I wanted to, like, make a difference in my community. I didn't really know, like, how I was going to do that. Uh, I've always known I've had, like, an interest for the environment. I've always, like, done my part. But I wanted to do something a little bit further and do something more. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, Long story short, I saw one of my friends walking home from school, like, literally picking up trash. And I was driving home, and I stopped my car, and I asked him, like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) like, why are you picking up garbage? And he explained to me this theory that he just learned in class, in his world issues class, that... If you commit to a small consistent action it will lead to a massive global impact and I said you know what that's cool man and he applied that to picking up trash and I'm like good for you I like, that's awesome I had no intention of helping him <laughs> and I drove home but I couldn't get this idea out of my head for the next couple of days I'm like small consistent action. like that makes so much sense so I like did some research and I googled like figures in history people who made like massive changes in the world like the big names that you all know like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, mm-hmm. e. Mother Teresa like huge names and like analyzing their lives they were all very different and they lived in different time eras had different interests different passions different goals but one common characteristic that was embedded amongst them all and that was they just took small consistent actions towards the attainment of their dreams and goals and i said you know this theory makes sense like it's proven that it works but if this guy does it by himself he's not going to have much of an impact walking home from school picking up trash and i said you know what if i join with them and turn this into a movement and host weekly cleanups and see who comes out and that's what we did. I gave him a call and he said, look, let's go to the beach this Saturday and with a couple of buddies and let's see where this goes. And that's what we did. Uh, two of our buddies came out and like, it was like, we didn't know where, where it would lead. Our first encounter, actually, this guy asked us what crime we committed. <laughs> yeah. as, as if it was like some sort of punishment. Yeah. i yeah. him like, we're just trying to make a change. Right. Uh, and then our second encounter, that very day, the first day we ever like, picked up trash, this older gentleman came up to us and asked us the same question. And we thought we were going to give him the same answer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't give it any crime, man. But uh, it was actually the, like very reverse, a complete opposite situation. And essentially he said that he lived on this beach for over 20 years, and he's never once seen anyone pick up trash. Wow. He's only seen like people our age like throw it on the ground, not, right. like, not give a damn about the environment, not give a damn about their surroundings, only caring about like ourselves. Yeah. And we said this, and we're trying to think, like, why was he so upset? Like, like What was the trigger? Because, like, it's just garbage, man. Like, we were just like, like, well, like why did you break down? Why did you start crying? And what we, like, started to think and, like, we did some more research on this theory was that the trash wasn't the issue, right? Maybe at yeah, face value it is, but if you look a little deeper, the issue is the mentality. Mm-hmm. The mentality of individuals in our society because that they always think that, oh, like, what's one, what's one plastic bottle? What's one coffee cup? What's one cigarette? But and if everyone has that mentality it leads to these objects being the most littered objects in the world right and and that's where it all stems back to that they always think all oh, one small action is too irrelevant and that's the biggest lie everyone's ever heard and that's sort of you know why we committed to meet up to clean up for one hour once a week no matter who came out and since then it was july 1st of 2017 we filled over 750 bags of litter it's crazy yeah i know it, yeah. it is it is wild in the city of pickering yeah. Uh, east of Toronto and we expanded the initiative to three other cities across Ontario. That's
1: insane. Um yeah. And
0: very simple, right? Just by committing to a small yeah. little action and and that's sort of like the basis of the, the theory of what we like sort of branch off about. Right. And that is one theory, and this theory can be applied to so many other things in life as well. And that's sort of what we speak about when you speak at schools, companies or conferences, that if you apply this theory to anything in life, one being the environment, it could have a major impact if you just stay committed with it. Right. And like if you look at you know, events or movements that have occurred in our world, the history or even currently, it's always started with at least one person or a small group of people. Mm-hmm. It was never a huge, 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 massive impact in the beginning. It was like a bunch, thousands, and hundreds of thousands of these small little steps that led to a massive change. That's sort of like why I started, and and yeah,
1: dang, that's crazy. So you guys have been only doing this for uh for a like year, year. about a year. Yeah, a, a year and a bit. A yeah. year and a bit, yeah. right? Um, so it's basically like on a whim a little bit, yeah. um, which is kind of crazy. Were you, and you said that you were always kind of interested in um, environmental, like sustainability mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, did you ever think that it would kind of grow this large to where it is now? And I think within a year or two that you, you mentioned that you're, you're already speaking at these different mm-hmm. events. Um, I saw that you're a TEDx speaker also. Um, did you ever like see yourself
0: be in those positions um, before all of this? Yeah, that's a really good question, and like, an honest answer is no. <laughs> like, we would, we would just thought, like, oh, there's garbage on the ground, like, why don't we pick it up? But then we realized that there's this a bigger message to this, that we can inspire youth, that we can inspire individuals based off of this theory, based off of our own actions. Our like, intention was just pick up trash and see where it goes. And very soon we, we thought, like, we need volunteers. Like, we need like, more, like, What if like, we can get the whole community involved? Right. And the main thing we sort of thought about was speaking. Like we both spoken like in, in school like why why don't we use like that one sort of attribute that we have and sort of use that to our benefit to market what we're doing yeah and like our first engagement i went to my like church and asked like the, the sort of like pastor if i could speak after one of the services and he said yeah sure go for it it's a good initiative mm-hmm. and that's, it was like two minutes really quick and since then like we've spoken in front of like like crowds of like 500 600 or 700 individuals all by committing to a, like a small little action and, like, after that, like, our next engagement was at my old high school. Right. I just asked my old, like, school chaplain, like, hey, like, this is what we're doing. Can I speak at your assembly for five minutes? He said, yeah, yeah, sure, go for it. You, got, you only got five minutes, but <laughs> we said, okay. And then from that from that one engagement, we got, like, 50 or 60 more sign-ups. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. And then, like, from then, it's just been speaking and speaking and speaking and just, like, speaking for free for, like, a good amount of time. And then that turned into monetizing your engagements. Which, which then we funneled that revenue to fund our cleanups, right uh so yeah, like we would have never thought it would have grown to this this scale, but we still entrusted in that theory that if we committed to a small action it would it wouldn't blow up right? right so it it clearly had like a a snowball effect
1: yeah um, and you know it's kind of uh pretty huge now um I wanted to ask like you know at any moment were you because i think um the audience of this podcast is going to be um, mainly people around our age, early twenties, mm-hmm. like late late teens, like kind of like students, stuff like that. And I think a lot of the times when um, you discuss that this a con- small consistent action can lead to a bigger a bigger mm-hmm. thing, which is I believe also is completely overlooked because um, you think that like one thing is just completely irrelevant, mm-hmm. right? Um, were there at any moment while you're doing this, perhaps in the beginning, where? You did think about like, okay, maybe, you know, we want to make an impact, but it doesn't seem like it, we're doing anything. Like it it seems so small scale that like, you know, you're kind of self-doubting yourself. And how did you, if you did feel that, like, how did you overcome that thought of like, you know, self-doubt and like just the drive to kind of keep
0: going? 100%. I think like the, the one word answer for that would be accountability. <clears throat> like I think that, you know, if, if you were not passionate about what we're doing, you wouldn't have gone out when it was raining or like snowing when... Only it was like two of us or three of us right like now we average 10 to 15 volunteers but in the in the sort of sprouts of this initiative it was just me and him and a couple of buddies mm-hmm. when no one else is coming in none of our friends or family and you know it was just straight accountability saying like, look I'm gonna keep hold my co-founder in a, accountable and he's gonna hold me accountable mm-hmm. whenever we think that oh one small action is too irrelevant say so like no this is what we started and if, if we truly entrust in this theory if we entrust that these figures in history made that massive change by committing to a small action We should follow the same path Mm -hmm. and do you think that you'd be here right now without your co-founder like do you think that you
1: it might not be doing Mm -hmm. what you're doing now um it could be it could be something different but do you think that you would pursued um something that you know creates change or creates impact
0: um in one shape or another yeah like i I definitely think that like the impact would be there but for like strictly talking about the initiative i don't think so uh for the fact that once it started it started in like july of 2017 and i came to waterloo in september so he, he kept like the structure going in Pickering uh, during his time there, and I would come like, back every two weeks for a cleanup, but he, he like held the fort down while I was gone, and, and that was very beneficial because he also took a, like a, a year off, like a, a fifth year in, in, in high school, right. He was trying to pursue a, a soccer career, but fortunately, yeah. like things things didn't work out. Right. Um, actually, it, it is like a blessing in disguise because now we have more time to focus on the initiative. yeah. So he was focusing on that while I was focusing on school as well as trying to build pick waste. Uh, And and now we're both in school, so it was a little bit harder. But yeah, definitely like the I think the the most struggling factor for a startup is just getting started, Mm -hmm. and like building a website, like building a presence on social media, and that needs to be done consistently right from the get go. Right. So it was really good to have someone who was like knocking that out of the park, very like consistently in the beginning. So now we have more of a brand and reputation that people have heard about. Right.
1: So um, how important is that? Like you know, uh, I think a lot of the times when I talk to. Uh, like being a solo founder myself and like you know I talk to other um, I don't want to call them like regular people or regular mm-hmm. students but basically no people that don't really have um, maybe the the spark the spark for starting something mm-hmm. but they want to right they have that ambition that like oh I really want to do this but I just don't know how um, or they struggle with the idea of of starting mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that goes for you know a, a lot of people a lot of people like not even students like everybody just has this Every time um, they want to start something, it just seems that there's this giant wall in front of them that they just can't overcome. Um, and clearly, you guys did a good job at you know just right from get running right from the get go. Um, and what is your advice for people that, that have that struggle, that have that like a bit of hesitation um, when they want to start something?
0: I think just taking the first step, right? Like being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Like as cliche as it sounds, mm-hmm. like never to look at like a project as like a staircase, rather just one step at a time having an end goal in mind that's very realistic. Again, like our end goal was not to, you know, spread this initiative throughout Canada within the first year. Our end goal was to collect like 500 bags within the year. And we exceeded that goal, right? So it's like a tangible goal that we set out and just like being consistent to attain that goal. Another thing that we really realized was that networking is huge. And everyone says, "Oh, network, network, network. Your net worth is your network." And right. everyone always says that, but it's so big just like reaching out being able to present yourself in a way that is approachable, that is value-driven. Uh, like the After our first cleanup, we went to the city of Pickering like that Monday, and we asked them, we said, look, we're two kids who want to clean up the city for free. Uh, what are the resources that you can provide us? And then right away, they gave us bags, gloves, access to free disposal. So now we just take a picture of the trash and the city comes and picks it up. It's crazy. As well as like funding, so resources to like like to to buy garbage pickers, to buy excess stuff for like travel expenses. Mm -hmm. Right. All by just like putting ourselves out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, another thing is networking events. So we go to like a lot of LinkedIn events, a lot of I know like L O the League of Innovators, something that we're both a part of. Right. They have their own events and we always try to to make it out to those because you never know who you're gonna meet. That's true. You you never know like the resources that you can tap into. So for example we just launched our corporate social event platform, where a lot of comp- companies give back to their society, like one day of the year, one one day of the month. How big the company is depends on the days that they give back to their community, and they could, you know, uh, ride bikes to raise funds to find the cure for cancer, or, you know, feed the homeless or pick up trash. Mm-hmm. So essentially, they pay for the experience, and we got a lot of corporate events like scheduled through these LinkedIn events, through these LOI events, like. We didn't even know these people before. And We just, you know, went in with an open mind. Like these events cost like what ten dollars? Yeah. Right. It's it's very cheap. It's very. Sometimes authentic. it's free. Sometimes it's free. <laughs> right? Sometimes it's just yeah. free. Yeah. And <laughs> again, like it's it's you're either gonna go and take advantage of these, or you're either gonna make excuses and say like, oh, I'm busy that day. Like right. it's 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 all about like the the mindset on you know what what you want to do, what you want to achieve. Sure. And again, like going to an event might and speaking like not in, like in front of a massive crowd, it's just like one or two people. It might be challenging for some people, right? communication is definitely something that i have like like developed over the years but it was definitely hard in high school like putting yourself out there but once you you know be comfortable being uncomfortable and like just being yourself like and have like a valuable conversation you never know what what that's going to come about right
1: i think that's 100 percent true and something that um again is overlooked by the you know the general public is um like you said like not a lot of people take uh you know a lot of value in, in networking events um i think for me personally i was one of those people before um where i didn't really i don't want to say i didn't believe in networking events but i didn't just put a lot of value onto it mm-hmm. just simply because in my head um way back like a couple years ago it it was like okay like people go all these networking events but if you don't do anything afterwards like yeah. what's what's the point right um and I think after a few networking events I was kind of forced to go to, <laughs> that kind of changed. Um, and now I'm like all for it. Um, and I wanted to touch upon like, um, you know, what is, you were talking about like, there's no excuses, there's no reason for excuses and stuff like that. Um, what is your take on people who who have the excuse of like, I don't, I don't have time? Um, because clearly, you know, we're both in school, we're both mm-hmm. following our own things, we're doing our own initiatives. Um, and you're away from pickering, yet you're still kind of, you know, doing stuff on mm-hmm. the side. Um, what is your, you know, your two cents on, on how to manage that, especially being full-time school? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you manage, um, personally for you, how do you manage um, balancing school and, you know, pick waste at the same time? Because I think, like, when people hear about it, they might say, they will definitely ask you, or you've probably gone in, like, how do you have time for all this? Because yeah. um, it's not really common for students to, well, I don't know, actually, like, it might be common, but, you know, um, it's a little rare to, to see people doing a little bit more than just school, especially when it's something that mm-hmm. um, is basically a business at this point.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what is your what is your take on that? Yeah, and, like, personally speaking, like, I have not mastered this 100%. Like, I, <laughs> I definitely struggle on a day-to-day basis with it. Uh, but a big thing that's helped, like, looking from last year to this year was prioritizing, like, really making, it, like, constant decisions on What needs to get done today and making that the first thing i want to do so for example if i have a midterm like in a couple days i'm focusing on that midterm in the morning and then if i finish all my studying then i'm going to focus on pick ways versus this week i don't have any midterms so my focus is pick ways and then school gets pushed to the back of my brain Mm -hmm. a little bit right so it's like a balance here and there because if you only focus on your initiative or if you only focus on school it's going to sacrifice the other other initiative or the other other like your grades and in turn you're going to be so like like depleted that the work that you're going to be doing for your, the other is not going to be efficient. Mm-hmm. Like I remember like, like last year, I was so focused on pick waste like in my second semester that I let my grades slip a bit. And because of that, I was like less motivated to work on pick waste. So I was like, oh, now I got to catch up on this. And then it's like, yeah. a, like a, a downward spiral of like not being productive. And I definitely think that it, as hard as it is to do, like try to find a balance, try to prioritize. Like a lot of the times I don't get things done. Right? Like, like during the day, like, I set out tasks and I don't accomplish all of them. But the ones I do accomplish are priorities. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put them at, at the beginning. Because the others, I'm like, okay, it's not very, very important. I can do it tomorrow. But the things I need to get done today are getting done today, for example. So that's, like, mm-hmm. the the main thing that I do and as well as, like, accountability. Like, with, yeah. with my people in my program, we set, like, strict deadlines for ourselves to finish this project, finish this assignment, finish our homework by this date. As well as my co-founder, setting, like like soft deadlines here before the strict deadline so you know that if anything goes wrong within that time period you can fix it right um yeah i think that's 100 percent true
1: um and i think one thing to note is that you said is you list all these tasks but it's not you know sometimes you just you don't end up meeting all of them which i think is very realistic Mm -hmm. um because you know when people think of I feel that like when people think of like successful people or or other people that are doing a lot of things they they have this kind of unrealistic uh, opinion about them where they 're almost like robotic in a sense that like everything that gets set out that day has to finish and it has to be that way, um, which is a little bit insane um, but I think on, on a more realistic note it's you know it 's good to have these tasks but it 's also you know, I think you emphasize the fact that it's okay to to not finish yeah. them. Also, like it's it's okay, and um, you know that's you know, pushed on to the next day. It's it's all good for that. Uh, and I think that's an important thing to note, um, especially for someone that, that is looking for a bit of an inspiration or like empowerment, where um, you know people who are doing great things and cool initiatives sometimes don't don't get yeah. the things done. Yeah. You know, and that's that's completely normal. Um, something that I wanted to touch upon on is you know with pickways um so right now are you guys doing it a, a weekly thing or is it a bi-weekly thing um how does the structure kind of work with you know the volunteering aspect mm-hmm. and people coming out how do you guys um you know mention your okay like this week we're gonna do this um you know how is that all
0: structured yeah for sure so it does vary per city so for example in the city of pickering the city of montreal uh, They're weekly cleanups. So every Saturday at 10 a.m. we're going out and we send an email to our volunteer list. You can volunteer, like sign up on our website, pickways.com or on social media. We'll always post it a couple of days in advance of the meeting, location, time, et cetera. For initiatives, the one I'm starting in Waterloo, it's not weekly just for the fact that I'm trying to partner with clubs club societies and host cleanups with the different clubs. That are open to the public because like we have like University of like like Laurier, Waterloo, and Conestoga College. Right? Yeah. It's so dilated like very are going to see that in the city, right? So why not take advantage of that of that aspect? A lot of clubs want to partake in team building activities. So what a better way just to to go in and clean up the environment. So right. that is a little less frequent. One every trying to do like one every three three weeks. Um, again, due to the fact that a lot of students have it is midterm season. Right. A lot yes, of students, it is. Like, do do yeah. you get a little busy? Uh but yeah, that's sort of the structure with our cleanups and we're sort of like leaning more towards events, more towards events with core companies because like we do have a volunteer base, but we average about 10%. So say we get like a hundred signups, like consistently we're gonna get ten people who come out every week. Because people get busy, right? So we yeah, wanna of course. focus on on uh, more events with companies and organizations and clubs, just so it, it is it is consistent with, within our, our realm. And that they own they get their own own little experience as well right it's amazing um, has there ever been like a really big challenge
1: um, you know and can you talk a bit more about what, what happened in some of the challenges have you you guys ever you know failed at something uh, let's say you you were discussing something and you were tried to, to act upon it but it just didn't pan out the way you did you were imagining it um, and how did you you know overcome all that
0: yeah so essentially one of the like our biggest failure was our, our Scarborough team so, uh, we got like, a, a really, like, really good team leaders who were very passionate about the environment, but struggled getting like, people to come out. And the main reason was that they really wanted to get going, and they were, we, like, we were all a little bit impatient. We didn't speak at any schools in Scarborough to begin with, so a lot of high schools, their students come out because we offer community service hours, right, so like, more of an incentive for them. And we were averaging like three or four people every cleanup. And like, that number is not very strong. Within the city of Scarborough, such a it's a huge city, right? So yeah, uh, we ended up like shutting that down for the, the year and only opening it up during summer summer months due to the fact that we get a lot of our peers who are in university who come back during summer. Right. And and yeah, like that that was like a big learning lesson for uh, my co-founder and myself, knowing just to be patient. Right? right. There's no need to rush anything. Like like we're gonna have like a lot of time to expand the initiative, but if we're not concrete within the cities that we're originally in, it's not gonna pan out. We really want to set like a strong foundation in Pickering, in Waterloo, in Montreal, to sort of grow it exterior and like really like look at what we've done well in Pickering and sort of replicate that in in Scarborough. Yeah, definitely. I think having a strong foundation for anything is is
1: extremely important if you mm-hmm. want to grow, um, and then scale ultimately. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you was, you know, how how important is. Um, but actually, you know what, before we get to that, did you guys know anything about you know, starting an initiative or like starting um, this to come business? Uh, I don't know if you guys even thought of it as a business at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys know anything about that or was it more like, I feel like doing this and we're gonna do it, I have no idea how to do it, but we're gonna do it anyways. Yeah. Because that's exactly how I felt when I started. Uh, when I first started my apparel company, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but yeah. I just kinda, I wanna do it and I'm just gonna learn as I go. Um, It was a lot of trial and error. Um, And I thought a lot of, I think a lot of people will have the question um, of how did you get started and did you know anything about um, starting, you know? Yeah. Uh, And and not so much about like starting the
0: initiative, but like the logistics behind it, Um, you know? Can you talk a bit more about that? For sure, yeah. Like we had no intention of making this a business. We had no intention of incorporating it. Like it was just like, oh, there's a problem. We know the solution. Let's just pick it up, for example, right? Uh, So again, like trial and error. Some some errors are costly. Some some are not. Right, and like mm-hmm. we well, we learned as as we grew, we learned as we sort of uh, moved up and as time time gave us. Uh, but again, like a lot of mentorship, yeah. so like we we reached out to like people who, at these events who are already entrepreneurs who have already built startups and say like, look, this is a problem that we currently have. Uh, like, what is your advice? And a biggest thing we learned in doing that is taking advice with a grain of salt. You always. Say, like, oh, like, people who you admire, you want to try to be like them and replicate their lives. And we, we also don't like to say that. We always say, like, oh, like, if you admire this, 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 and this person, pick apart whatever attribute you want from that person. Pick apart, like, oh, like, say, like, they handled the situation this way. That's how they built their startup. Cool. But I might not want to go that route, even though it's already worked, right? I want to do what I want to do, like, taking advice with a grain of salt. And, for example, my dad also owns a couple of small businesses, so he gave us a lot of advice. But, yeah, definitely, like, reach out. Like we didn't know anything like we, we actually like like we didn't know like the process of incorporating a business yeah uh, like infrastructure liability legal lawyer accountants like we didn't know like any of that stuff and again just network just reaching out right uh, and, and a big thing for us is like it's I think it's so easy to start a business in 2018 versus like 18 years ago in 2000 mm-hmm. like the internet is so useful like, any yeah. uh, anything we did not know, we literally Googled. Yeah, no,
1: I think uh, I think that's something that people forget about, yeah. is that, that site called Google. Um, <laughs> it's funny how you say that, because I remember when I was talking to a few of my friends when I was just starting, and they were like, did you know about this? Like, how did you even do this? Stuff like that. I was like, honestly, I had no idea. I just kind of Googled everything. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's surprising a little bit how... Uh, you know, how how people forget like, you have access to all this information yeah. like on, on Google, right? Um, but I think the one key thing, the one key takeaway from what you were talking about is definitely to ask people that have already done it um, and get their kind of advice from it. And then you said, um, take advice with a grain of salt, which I completely agree with um, in a sense that I think for everybody, you know, it's good to take advice from people that have already done it and like are in the position that you wanna be in. But I think, um, something that you mentioned was if that advice becomes too much, like where in the sense that you're basically replicating their life into yours, you're not really living like your purpose anymore. Um, it's, it's mainly about like all you're doing is, is kind of copying, which is, is not, you know, bad in, 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 in any way, but it doesn't really become you anymore. Um, and speaking about that, I, every single founder that I've talked to, you know, before, it's been like, I don't know, six of them now. Have always discussed the the importance of purpose and vision. Um, you know, do you guys place importance on that? Like, what is the the most important thing for Pick Waste, um, or you yourself as a co-founder like to always go back to? Like, what is what is the that why? You know, and um,
0: yeah. So you know, if you have any two cents on that, like it, it'd be nice to share. Yeah. So essentially, like my biggest thing is always. Looking back and focusing on why we started, I think been times times like with doubt, with uncertainty, not knowing where this initiative is going, when no one comes out to our cleanups, and people doubt us, people say, "Oh, pollution's too big," your action is too small, and people always like push negative, you know, remarks or sort of opinions on us. Like, like what do you do? Like in that situation, like it all comes back to why, like why you started. Like not really listening to the opinions of others, but rather like the entrusting in the theory that if you truly believe what you believe in the opinions of others should not put a dent in that. Like, like really. Like, theoretically. Right. Like, you like, you look at, like, Martin Luther King, like, the amount of doubt that man took, like, the amount of hatred, the amount of, like, people despising him every single day. And he just pushed it to the side. He just shook it off. Like, I, I'll share, like, this one story. What I, like, turn to a lot and is the story of, like, a very simple donkey and a farmer. And flashback, maybe, like, 1,500 years ago, there was this farmer who, who dug a deep hole in the ground. He was trying to build a well. And he dug this hole... And the donkey one day walked, f- fell in the hole. He was walking and not knowing where it was going. It's a donkey. Uh, and this hole is like, like 20, 30 feet deep in the ground. And it's back in the day, so there's no like technology to like, like a crane to like, pick this guy up. Right. Uh, so the, don- the farmer got his buddies and he was thinking like, how in the world are we going to get this donkey out of the hole? So they like, like tied a knot, like a lasso, and threw it threw it in, tried to pull him back up, but it wasn't working. Yeah. So they essentially decided they had two options. They were going to either let it starve to death or bury the donkey. They decided to bury it to put it out of its misery. So he just took a shovel and then put the dirt back in each time. And every time the dirt went on the donkey's head, the donkey would just shake it off. And then you put it on, he would just shake it off. And then the donkey would just step up. Yeah. You just shake it off, and the dirt <laughs> would put it and, and he would just step that's up. That's so cool. That's yeah. so just good. shake I it love off, that. step up, shake it off, step up, and then you just walk down. And that's like a story that really resonates with me that, you know, in life, like as a founder, like you, you know that people are going to throw dirt at you. Yeah. People are going to say, like, whatever you're doing is not going to work. Like, you're. The market cap is too big, you're too small and just shaking it off and stepping up you know always reflecting why you started, why you began what you began is definitely like one of the most important things I feel as as a starter as a founder because there's so much external forces external communication that occurs in our lifestyle that it can really cloud your mind cloud your brain cloud your vision of you know where you want to take or direct your your venture to but I think always taking a step back looking where you started can really to that vision right yeah,
1: now. definitely. I think I agree with that. Um, because uh, for sure, and I'm sure a lot of founders have, have gone it is they receive a lot of doubt, um, and sometimes hate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, personally, I haven't really gotten that much hate, mm-hmm. but I know that it happens, right? Um, and one thing that everybody fears, uh, that I think at least is, is judgment. Um, like they, you know, have these ambitions and these goals, and they, you know, in their head, they're like, I really want to do this, but for the most part, from what I've noticed, um, just talking to people on an everyday basis, is they they, they fear judgment of other people. um, And they're scared of like, you know, what they're gonna think and stuff like that. And I know you already touched upon this already uh, a little bit in your previous um, comment, but you know, just solely based off of doubters and haters and people who are like kind of putting you down, um, stuff like that, what do you do to, you know, that to the side and you know, you yourself, what Mm -hmm. do you do to put that at your side? And how do you turn that negative energy into like, you know, perhaps something positive. Mm -hmm. For example, for me, whenever someone tells me like or doubts me in any way or says like, you know, oh yeah, you'll they're not really believing in me in a sense in almost a condescending way where um it's either gonna they're gonna hate it or they're gonna be like, um yeah, I don't think that this is gonna work or whatever. Mm -hmm. I personally take that (laughs) and I I use it as fuel. Like, if you think that I'm not going to make it, then I'm going to, like, I'm going to destroy your, your your thought on that um, and make sure that you see it, that I do make it. Um, and that just kind of fuels my drive. Um, so I just wanna, um, wanted to get your opinion on, like, <clears throat> what do you do to kind of, like, overcome uh, all, like you said, like, all these negative, like, mm-hmm. uh, things externally that are happening, um,
0: people telling you, no, you can't do this because you're too small. Um, what is your two cents on that? Yeah, I think it's, like, really... When someone says a comment like that my my first sort of approach to it is understanding where they're coming from to so see their past experience like what they've done what they've built and their credibility like a lot of people give us speaking advice and we always ask like where have you spoken mm-hmm. right? like, like, like what, what have you done and credibility is huge and seeing like their past experience like at an early childhood maybe like they started their own venture and it failed and just like taking that as a grain of salt as well saying oh this may be the reason they said this but that being said i'm either going to listen to it or i'm not and a lot of the times people give advice. We do, we do take it, but we always take it, again, at a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, one example is we were hosting our, our biggest event called Awareness Day. And essentially it was on August 18th, this past, this past summer. And we wanted to you know, create a visual cue for people to see like, like the amount of like, litter or trash is actually in our city. So we kept all of the recycling from our cleanups in my, friend, my co-founder's backyard, because he has a bigger backyard. Mm-hmm. And we had about 120 bags and we wanted wow. to station it yeah it was like it's you can look on our website it's, it's <laughs> on there it's huge it's like 12 feet and we wanted to station this structure in front of our old high school and we really wanted the news to come out like that was our goal we planned this for like five months and like every single day we were like we want the news to come out like we want this to get like exposed like look how much trash is this it's this a garbage visual structure crying out loud and we went to the city and they had like a, a a contact list for all like the big canadian news channels and they always said like guys like if they don't come out don't feel discouraged like they're, they're very busy like this might be a little bit too small for them like they probably won't come out you might get the local news though but like mm-hmm. definitely not like the the big ones that you want right for sure and they always said that like, and, and like we were emailing like the new channels constantly and then like three days before like a, like the event we were still like confirmed that even though they were replying they were gonna come mm-hmm. and then CBC hit us up wow. and they said we want to interview guys today and they came and then because of that uh, then City News came out on the day of and then uh, CTV came out CB24 came out uh, Snap came out, Durham News came out uh, Edge Magazine covered the event like a lot of news channels came out which is nice, I'm not like boasting about it but it's just the fact that because they said no that's what made it so sweet, you know yeah. what I mean because they said they would not come out of York, <laughs> that, that, yeah. that's what made it real because like, we could have stopped sending those emails to the companies we could have said, you know, maybe they're right we'll just, you know, post it on the local news channel, that's fine but if we did we would never got exposed the way the way we did right if if we listen to the opinions of others and i cannot stress that enough like taking everything with a grain of salt especially people's opinions right yeah that's uh that's some incredible insight from uh
1: you know from your experience um something that you just mentioned was you know well you didn't really mention it but it was very clear in your action was persistency and kind of like the act of one persistency and two like kind of going big you know aiming for for the for the big for the big news like forget the local news Mm -hmm. like we're gonna go if we're gonna do if we're gonna be persistent in like who we're gonna contact we might as well just contact like the biggest person right um and i think a lot of people kind of forget about that they always they kind of say like you know uh maybe you should start small first or something like that you know what is your advice for someone um that kind of struggles with the idea of persistency and struggles with the idea of you know not really kind of Putting your head down and giving up because um, clearly you guys like just kept going and going and, and it kind of paid out right
0: um, <clears throat> how much importance do you put that on yourself to be persistent yeah like, like that that sends back to like the whole foundation of what we're built on just like resilience consistency uh, and just like again realizing what your why is and focusing strictly on that no matter what people say no matter what opinions of others sort of entail I'll share this one last story. I I got to get going soon. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, The story of the the Chinese bamboo tree. Yeah. And I I don't know if you've heard of the the story. Uh, No? Essentially, Far East in China, there's this tree, and it takes five years to grow. But it only breaks the ground in the fifth year. Yeah. So for it to break the ground in the fifth year, you have to water and nurture it every day for five Five years. Five years. And if you don't, it doesn't grow. But if you do, in a matter of five weeks in that fifth year, it grows 90 feet tall. Right so that's the, crazy a, a common question is that did this tree grow 90 feet tall in 5 weeks or in 5 years wow and the answer is pretty obvious yeah the tree grew 90 feet tall in 5 years but if for one moment you stopped watering that tree for one moment if your neighbor came by and asked you what the hell are you doing why are you watering dirt Right. They say, oh, like I'm just growing a Chinese bamboo tree, and they say where you don't have any results, you don't have any progress. Like there's nothing showing. Like, like stop what you're doing because yeah. your small action is too irrelevant. And if you listen to that, if you stop within the second, third, or fourth year, you would have never known it would have grown in the fifth year. If you listen to the opinions of others, and even though this story is true, even though like this Chinese bamboo tree actually does, does in fact grow in in five years in like in five weeks and in, fur in, for in, like ninety feet. Even though that is true, it is also very relatable to the business point of view, to, sure. to founders, to anyone who wants to start something that you will you are not going to see results mm-hmm. like soon. I so I know you have to wrap up real yeah. quickly,
1: but one last thing, um, as you know, what is your one advice for for anybody that's um, basically in school, like university? Let's just say um or anybody in like you know still their early like 20s mid 20s or whatever um what is your advice for for starting uh because i do believe that's like probably the biggest pain point whenever people come to you know the realization i want to do something they absolutely don't know how to start and that is the only place where they 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 simply just forget about it because they don't start so what is your advice on starting and how do you um
0: yeah, how do you get started, <laughs> like, yeah. overall? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Mel Robbins. I don't know if you've heard of her. Yes, so, I have. Yeah. <clears throat> so, like, I, I read her book about, like, the five-second rule, and I'm a huge believer that that is true. Uh, essentially, what she says is she counts down, like, a rocket ship from five, four, yeah. three, two, one, 1. And at, at NASA, the rocket ship is not waiting after you count down. It's going at one, no matter what. <laughs> it's, it's launching. There's, like, millions of people who are watching waiting for this rocket to launch. And if it doesn't launch, it's chaos. So that rocket is launching no matter what. And that's what I started doing in my own life, like counting down, five, four, three, two, one, making sure that I complete that task. Because if it's not, it's gonna have an effect. Like in my mind, that's what what I Mm -hmm. think about. And starting is the same way. Maybe not like counting down to start the whole initiative, but maybe saying, Oh, like this is a deadline that I have. I'm I'm gonna start on this day and do it. And count down and just start. Because the biggest lie that we've ever been taught to hold or heard is that one small action is too irrelevant. Right. Right. Like one one group of people can never change the world when the matter of fact is that's the only thing that's ever changed the world in history is by one person or by a small group of people so just put yourself out there go to these events go on social media do your own research and just start i love it love it dylan
1: um great yeah so i know you have to go so we'll just end it there um but it's